Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? All right, all, today we are talking about the last step of the emotional intelligence blueprint, which is problem solving. So if you listen to the past three episodes, you'll have heard about labeling, categorizing your emotional state, which is a first step in self-regulation or emotional regulation. Step two, possibly creating a calm down space, zen zone, peace corner, something to enable students, kids to remove themselves from the energy of the situation to calm down. Then we went into calming and coping strategies to use in that space or to use on the spot. And the last step, the one that most people forget, is problem solving. And here is why this one is so important. And I hope that you utilize this not even just in that sequence, but as frequently as you possibly can. So once you teach those first three steps of the emotional intelligence blueprint program we created here at the Behavior Hub, you and kids are also able to regulate their emotional states. You're able to calm down or they're able to calm down. And that's awesome. That's what we're aiming for. But the secondary part of that is when the trigger comes up again, when whatever it is in the environment that triggers the child, if it's a transition, if it's a noise, if it's a demand, when it happens again, they might be able to calm themselves down. But we want them to be able to respond differently to that trigger. And the way to help them do this is to educate them and come up with together a replacement behavior or a solution to that problem. So I'm going to walk you through the four very short and simple steps to problem solving, how to hide this work. We'll talk about scripts for how to communicate each step of the the process, and we'll go through an example together. So four steps. Make sure to keep this conversation super short and sweet. Whether you're talking to teenagers or you're talking to four-year-olds, it's got to be brief because you're going to lose them. We only have so much mental bandwidth a day in one day. And when parents ramble on or lecture, we lose our kids. So short and sweet. The steps are you felt, I felt, problem, solution. You felt, I felt, problem, solution. And the reason we're starting with how they felt is because we want to validate them because validating kids, validating other people helps to reduce the activity of the stress response, reduce the activity of of people getting defensive. And then we want to state how we felt because we want to build empathy and compassion and we want them to understand that their choice, their behavior made us feel a certain way. And then we want them to know the problem 
so we know what we're talking about. And then we want to come up with solutions collectively. And when we include them in the solution process and the problem-solving process, it helps them to take ownership. It helps them to change their behaviors. It helps them to get buy-in and motivation to implement and do the thing we come up with or the thing that we choose. All right. So those are your four steps. You felt, I felt, problem, solution. So here are some scripts that you could use for each of those steps. The first one is, I think you were feeling. And the reason I say I think is because I don't know how other people are feeling. I could probably guess that from the looks of their body, but I am not them. So I truly can't determine that. That said, I'm going to say what I think they're feeling. And when you say something like, I think you are feeling, it gives them the opportunity to correct it if you are wrong. And some kids are going to get defensive. And even though, even though it's obvious what they're feeling and they get defensive and they say, I'm not feeling that way. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. It's fine. You are just saying what you think they're feeling. And the beauty of this also is when you do that and you, you use these different emotion words, because we tend to stick to the same six to eight emotion words, happy, mad, sad, you know, we really need to expand our emotional vocabulary. So when I say, I think you were feeling jealous, I think you were feeling embarrassed, I think you were feeling, you know, whatever it is. And then we say how I how we felt. And and the script for this is very simple. I was feeling, and you just date what you were feeling. The big thing with the first two steps and the first two scripts, I think you were feeling and I was feeling. Don't go into tangents, just finish the statement. Super short, super simple. Then go to the problem. This script is also very short. The problem is, and that's it. State the problem. Be clear and concise. Clear is kind. Unclear, unkind. I think that may have come from Brene Brown. The last step, the last script is for your solution-based prompt. Let's come up with some ideas together. Let's come up with some ideas to fix this problem. Let's figure out some ways to fix this problem. Any of those would work. All right, so you've got the four steps. You've got the four scripts. And those scripts can obviously be altered, modified, changed to to your liking. But the big thing I want to point out here is with the first script and and describing how we think the child felt. Uh we don't want to say you were feeling. We don't want to be telling them, shaming them, blaming them, none of that. So be really, really mindful. Even sometimes what I'll do in, in the first script is your body is telling me. Because when I do that, I'm not shaming or blaming. I'm saying this physical evidence that I can see your body is telling me you were feeling angry. And then I can provide evidence and support for why that is. And then if the child wants to refute that and wants to say that they're feeling a different way, then they can come up with the evidence that they need to support their feelings. But the point here is not to get stuck in the first three steps. It's to get to the fourth and final step and come up with solutions. So keep it moving forward. All right. Before I get into an example here, uh, I have this conversation with very young children. I have it with teens. Sometimes teens don't want to sit with me to have this conversation, so I will communicate in their preferred modality. So it might be text, it might be email, it might be social media, but I can go through these steps through those platforms. If it's young kids, I might lose their attention really quickly. So what I'll probably do for most young kids, for most intermediate, uh, primary and intermediate school kids, 
is play a game or do an activity. Like maybe they're doing an art activity or drawing, or maybe we're playing a back and forth game, like don't break the ice. And when they are focused on something else and they're pausing and stopping to participate in this conversation, that activity and their hands being busy keeps them occupied and keeps them able to participate, especially when you're going back and forth because kids want to keep playing the game and they want to finish that process. So if we go back and forth and play a game, like don't break the ice, when it's my turn, every time it's my turn, I'm not going to go until we come up with a solution or we each come up with a solution. You'll notice too, when you go back and forth, if you're going back and forth too much and the child's wanting to quit the game, then you're like, okay, well then let's go back and forth every, every other turn. But you don't need many solutions. I would say three to five solutions is a great place to start. And note that most young kids won't come up with solutions very easily the first couple of times because they're not used to being asked this, these questions. So you'll be coming up with most of the solutions. That's fine. And they'll start to come up with more the more that you have these types of conversations. And the beauty of this is it really gives them the freedom to participate. It sets them up in the sequence to solve problems in their future. I mean, can you imagine if we all mentally went through these steps, these four steps to solve the problems in our lives or invited other people, significant others, family, coworkers into this type of problem solving situation? We don't even have these conversations as adults. So we're setting our kids up for success by having these conversations. And the more we have them, the more they get into the sequence of the four steps. All right, let's go into an example. Oh, before we do that, note that I write down every solution. Even if the solution is not fair to me or it's not even possible. I mean, I remember one time I had a child, <laughs> she was like, she didn't want to make a transition. And we were talking about solutions. And she said, well, I will get my jetpack out from under my seat and I will jetpack out of the school. And I was like, all right, I'm going to write that down. Obviously not a realistic solution, but what I want to do is reward her for thinking creatively. She came up with an idea. Is it possible? No, but I'm going to add it to the list. Yes, because I want to praise her for thinking, coming up with a solution. So I'm going to write them all down, even if they're unfair to me, even if they're unrealistic. And then I won't choose those or we won't choose those at the end as a solution we ultimately want to go with because it's not fair or it's not possible. And we'll, we'll get into that conversation you know, when, when the child tries to pick that particular solution, but do write them all down. All right, so here's an example. Let's just say someone doesn't want to clean up. It could be teens not cleaning up their room. It could be kids not cleaning up a classroom. It could be things at the house that need to be cleaned up, whatever it may be. So I think you were feeling frustrated because you wanted to continue to play. I was feeling really anxious because there were things all over the house and it made the house feel so messy. You could translate that to classroom. Note, this conversation would feel very different. We're talking about cleans, teens not cleaning up things. The problem is someone could get hurt if all these things are out on the floor. Or the problem is the dog could eat one of those toys if we left it out. Or the problem is at school, maybe it's other people are going to, to use our classroom tonight or whatever the problem may be for you. So let's come up with some ideas to fix this cleaning up problem. All right, let me think, let me think. Maybe when it's cleanup time, we set a timer and you can either clean up when the timer goes off or you can have an extra minute to play. And, and for me, like one, two extra minutes, I don't care about that. If they're going to clean up in two minutes, that's fine. The other thing we can do is like a scramble cleanup. So when I say to clean up, whatever the, the children are playing with, 
everyone goes and cleans up something that they weren't playing with. Sometimes it's fun when you're not cleaning up your own stuff. You could do hushed cleanup where you clean up and you don't make a single sound. You could do dance party cleanup where you play music and you have to put all the things away before the song is over. You could do freeze cleanup. So while you're cleaning up, I'm going to randomly shout freeze and to freeze in the position that you're in. So just think about like all of those ways are fun, engaging, lighthearted. They're adding humor. They're adding motivation. Those are five really simple, easy things I just randomly came up with for cleaning up. So just pause and think about what are some solutions to these problems because the solutions can be pretty easy to come up with. And once you implement them, you avoid major breakdowns and refusals and saving some face too. So to review, four steps to your problem-solving conversation. You felt, I felt, problem, solution. Keep it short, write all solutions down, If it doesn't work, pause, come back to the conversation another time and know that it might not be a great time to have the conversation. All right, so that's your problem solving. Love the strategy. I use it all the time. And that takes us to today's listener question, which comes from California. And the person says, it can be difficult at times to make self-regulation, et cetera, basic enough for preschoolers or younger kids, as this can be an abstract concept requiring very abstract thinking. I would agree. But... What we don't often (laughs) utilize about our brains is that they are quite complex and even young kids can grasp this if we break it down. So really breaking down this concept of self-regulation into micro steps. I do this in a previous episode. It's the first episode of our emotional literacy framework, the self-regulation, the categorizing and labeling your emotional states, blog posts on this. If you can break it down, they can get it. So break it down to the most micro steps. And if they're not getting it, break it down even more. Okay. But if you do that and you realize that they're really struggling with the categorizing and the labeling, maybe they need to go a step backwards. And a step backwards would be, they need to learn the basic emotions. What do they look like? What do they feel like? Can they describe them? Have they been exposed to them? So for a lot of preschoolers, I'll just work on building emotional vocabulary and stating how I feel and stating how they feel. Regulation might be the next step. Also, can you make it lighthearted and fun and humorous, motivate them, turn things into animals, make make things relatable by talking about self-regulation in, in a fun and humorous way. So a lot of what I do for young kids is I, I relate it to animals or animal movements or uh, videos or movies or TV shows that they like, and I tie emotions to those things. Even the emotional categorization chart I use that has the four different zone areas, all of those zones can be related to different movie characters. I mean, that even inside out, you can have the, the first zone, the, the blue would be sadness because she's low energy. The next one would be joy because that's happy, optimal, focused zone. The next zone would be maybe disgust or fear because they're strong emotions, but they're not out of control emotions. And then your last zone would be anger because that's that's when you lose control. So you can tie sync different things like movies and characters to emotional regulation to make it more motivating and more fun. Start with the basics and really break it down. That's how you make this abstract concept really simple for children. I do want to talk about something I talked about in a previous episode, which was there was a question about restraining and we talked about that being an absolute last resort and that someone should be trained in that. The other thing I'd encourage you to do in in regards to that topic, any of these topics, all topics is include kids in these conversations. If restraining is something that has already happened and continues to happen, 
why don't you ask a child what they would want when they feel out of control? What do they want someone to do when they feel out of control? Because they might hold the answers that we need or ask them how they would like to be uh, held or touched or restrained, whatever it may be, uh, because maybe they have a way that feels good for them. And if they choose that and they know it's coming because they have given the, the solution, they might be much more willing to accept it when it happens. So a little sidebar there on a previous question that I wanted to, to bring into this. All right. So to wrap up our show, I'm going to share with you the right at home tip, which is water intake. You need half your body weight in ounces of water a day. Kids as well. Kids are always dehydrated and so are we. We do not keep water near us to remind us to drink it. We don't stop and pause to drink water. Most times adults in the afternoon when they're feeling really sluggish and tired, it's because they are dehydrated. They don't actually need another cup of coffee in the afternoon. They just need some more water. Kids, us, all of us, our brains don't function optimally when they're not fully hydrated. We need to make sure we're drinking more water. So my recommendation would be to buy for both yourself and your kiddos water bottles that measure your water intake. So I have a very large plastic Nalgene bottle. I would encourage you to go BPA-free if possible. (laughs) Glass isn't great for kids, but there are BPA free plastic bottles, but I have this giant Nalgene bottle. I know I need to drink a bottle and a half of that a day. So I put it in my view because when I see it, I take care of it. When I look at that throughout the day, I'm like, we did not drink much water today, Lauren. Get that water in your system. So I will drink and drink and drink so that I make sure I have all of my water intake by the end of the day. And I will tell you, it has made a huge difference because I have journaled throughout the process of drinking more water and, and being mindful of my water intake. And it has been hugely helpful. So water intake. And that's it for today's episode of the Returning to Us podcast. Remember our try to home tip, half your body weight in ounces of water a day. And if you would like me to answer one of your questions on a future show, email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com. Until next episode, I am Lauren Spiegelmeyer and thanks for joining me.